This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching Fanboy. 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 Fanboy, etc. Fanboy Nation. Dot, I assume Tom. This afternoon, I am speaking with the man who started one of the superhero trends as Aquaman on Smallville. He's Hawk on uh, on Titans. He's the writer or co-writer, director, producer, co-star, uh, Alan Ritson. And along with him is also co- co-starring is Connor Leslie. Whew, that's a big introduction. Uh, Alan, do you not have enough on your plate? <laughs> Yeah, I just I was uh, I was trying to work the crafty truck too, so I can get some free airheads while we um, you know free tuna sandwiches. I just wanted to eat most of the time I was there, so um, they wouldn't let me have that job either. Um, but no, I, I uh, you know these days you know if you want to make something, you gotta you kind of have to wear all the hats. I mean, it's just the only way. Um, it, it's uh, it's tough to get something made that's original that doesn't isn't standing on the shoulders of some other um, uh, proven IP, you know. And, and I really want to make um, high concept original film, uh, you know, adventures that people can go off and enjoy that, um, is new and fresh and, and it's hard to do that. So to, if you want to get it done, you kind of, unfortunately you have to, you have to wear all, all the hats, you know, or as many as it takes to get it done. And that's, that's what happened here. And I don't want to do it again. And I don't recommend, uh, unless you're my enemy, then you can do it. Then you should do it. You should do, you should do all the things. So, Connor, does that sound promising on your end to want to be writer, director, producer, uh, mm-hmm. craft services, uh, logo design, and everything else? I think uh, <laughs> I'll 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 stick to no, yeah. I probably want to try all of it just because he said it sounds like a challenge and that's enticing. But um, I think I'll pass on craft services. <laughs> I don't think that I could really offer much in that department. Oh man. <laughs> Well, Dark Web Cicada 3301 comes out on uh, on demand March 12th, and then Blu-ray and DVD a week later on March 16th. Uh, this is loosely based on on real events. What's the original story that uh, inspired the film? Right. So, so in 2012, uh, Cicada 3301 is a secret society that launched this uh, international scavenger hunt for geniuses, and they did it online with these puzzles. Um, the each each new clue would unlock the next and uh it got really interesting when one of the clues unlocked these qr codes that were taped up around the world in in uh, about a dozen countries um so people that were playing the game realized they had gps coordinates that were real and went and found these qr codes and it was an invitation one time only uh, worked for the first people that snapped the qr codes um an invitation um into this secret society uh, or to continue, you know, diving deeper into this world. Um, it was rumored that some of these people, um, disappeared after winning this game and it's happened annually. Um, so I just think it made for absolutely fascinating subject material for, for a fun adventure. Um, and, you know, it helps foster a conversation that has some substance to it, you know, talking about the themes that Cicada 3 through and brings up in their puzzles about, um, self-reliance and uh, the institution versus the individual and what kind of world order we want uh, as a people. So, um, you know, it, it seemed like a good way to, to, to talk about those things while also, um, uh, you know, offering us some real fun on screen um, with, a, with an adventure like we have. Well, for the both of you, and since this is based on, on real events and, you know, the title is Cicada 3301, and people have gone missing, as you said. Was there any fear for your own safety that you guys might have touched something a little too close 
to what really happened and you disappeared. Yeah. I should have thought about that, huh? Well, um, that's why I hired Connor because she, um, she can fist fight, um, pretty, yeah. pretty much anybody. And, um, I felt safer with her around. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, there's I'm the real you know, muscle. You know, in the back of your head, you're sort of wondering, am I stoking some fire that I don't want to be, um, burned by? Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, we had a pretty good sense of what we were doing and, um, you know, whether or not we were right to do it and, uh, we just had to let this have fun with it. And it's, and it's, it's, uh, it's worked out so far. Right. And if you're going to go into battle, it doesn't hurt having Wonder Still Girl in your corner. <laughs> Connor, did you get kidnapped at any one any point in time? I didn't get kidnapped yet, but it still has to come out. So let's just like make sure right. we're checking <laughs> with each other as it, as it comes true. out. But I think also with anything with the internet, like the minute you start to like spiral into like how far it goes, you'll stop yourself from like opening your email. So I just kind of try to be like, yeah, it's a scary place kind of, but I kind of push it aside. Otherwise I wouldn't get anything done. Okay. And you got your own last one bracelet. So you're good to go. I got bracelets. I got a lot. Like I'm set. Like come at me. <laughs> yeah. But for the sequel, that's a great marketing campaign. Make one of the actors disappear just on vacation and radio silent for about three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but then how, do, then what if it becomes real art imitates life? Then like, that would be terrifying. Like, pretty scary yeah when something like this comes about and then uh ron funches is also in the movie with, with you and alan you and ron kind of were the comic relief in this and you know where jack took the lead um you know and and there's quite a bit of humor that that goes along with with this film as you know since it is a scary topic but is it difficult in directing yourself in a more comedic role than it is a more serious one Um, that's a good question. I think, you know, the, the comedic role, you know, you can kind of just say whatever you want, whether it's on the page or not, and get away with it. So it's probably a little easier to get away with the comedy. Um, but yeah, I don't prefer directing myself. It's, uh, there's just a lot to manage, a lot of questions to answer, and a lot to keep your eye on when you're filming. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of diminishing returns. I mean, the more time I'm in front of the camera, the harder it is for me to manage what's going in the in the can. So I don't like doing that, but I also felt like I, you know, I knew what Agent Carver was, and I just felt like I was the best person for that part. So, so you know, what, you know, t- took it on. But um, but I, yeah, I, I I'd, I'd rather separate. I'd, I'd rather separate duties. Uh, you know, in the future. And Connor, take me through your role as Gwen. And then, you know, uh, going from super heroine to, to still being a badass in, in this flick. I mean, she's just a badass in another way. She's really, really smart. Um, I, I'd like that she goes toe to toe and head to head with Connor, who probably like when you meet them, like thinks he knows all this stuff and like everything about this world. So to kind of be, have her humble him and like meet him with his like wit and his sarcasm and like how quick he is, I thought made for a really great duo. Um, and she's just very clearly, <clears throat> you know, as far as like women just kicking ass, she's just got a mission very clearly and she doesn't let anything sway and like get in the way of that. So every kind of hiccup that they come in to, 
um, that they, that comes at them that she has a way of being like, okay, I'm going to move past it and I'm still going to go. So like, I thought that was a really, um, cool aspect to her badassery, if you will. Um, just her refusing to kind of like let anything get in her way from what she had in mind and the goal that she had for her. And then like, you know, I think the two of them are just on for the ride. She's like, this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. So you guys can jump on board, but like, I'm going to succeed at that. And so that was kind of what I really liked about Gwen. I dig it. Uh, when you make a movie like this and then, you know, hacking's a part of it, tech's a part of it. And then you go back in a few years and then you'll revisit something like the net or hackers. Is there a fear that that aspect of it won't stand, stand up to time? but the rest of the film can because of the way the situation plays out? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I try to tackle that in two, two ways. One, I wanted to create a user interface that was uh, custom and very nostalgic, you know, so um, it's, it's a, it, you know, it's a modern day film, but you'll see when, when uh, Connor played by Jack Kess was on a computer it's all very sort of MS-DOS, you know, it's very, it, it feels like what he's interfacing with is um, classic in a sense already, um, which I think actually helps us um, future-proof in a, in, a, in a paradoxical sense. Um, but the other thing is it's not, it's not really a hacker film. It's not a computer movie, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, that that's sort of a thread that weaves every, you know, the adventure together, but, um, we've got this unreliable narrative device that takes us into the mind of our protagonist and he's not an honest guy. So we are steered down these rabbit trails that are oftentimes we don't know what's real and what's not. And we end up in some, some pretty fantasy realm, magical type places. Um, and that's timeless. You know, I mean, those kinds of adventures are timeless. Um, uh, there's, there's, enough imagination, I think, to, to future-proof the film in a way. So um, I just didn't want it to be a typical walk-and-talk hacker film. And, the, and I think that, you know, the the, the direction that we took it in the, in the direction that Joshua Mockholm, who I, I, I co-wrote it with, um, uh, took it, I, I think saves us from that. All right. We're going to have a little bit of fun now. Uh, <laughs> since it was a 50-cent tip that started all of this, Oh boy. Oh, are we going to have to do math? Oh no, man. No, 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 I was just going to say what Alan said. And if we have to do math, I'm closing. <laughs> no. uh, okay. We're, we're going to base it on this. What's the worst tip that you've left based on bad service? I, that, that way it seems more justifiable than this, you know, <laughs> than the character getting screwed over on $85 and then only getting a 50 cent tip. I've never left a bad tip really. Like, and I mean that genuinely because like my, like growing up, my mom was just like, this is how hard these people are working. And I would just like leave 20% tip. Like I would, I would never leave a 50 cent tip or like a 5% tip. I, I went on a yeah. date with a guy once who left like a really bad tip and I was kind of like, <laughs> So you guys I was like, this will be, this, I was like, this has been nice. Bye. Um, no, I, I just don't leave bad tips. Even if someone was like, I would like knock it down to 15, maybe if they were like spitting in my food and nasty, but like, I've never kind of been like, and now I'm going to leave you for a dollar. So Alan. Yes. Dave, no, I can't bring done? myself to it. I, I, I have like that people pleasing complex where even if it's terrible, I'm like, I just feel bad. I'm like, I don't know what their day was like. 
Yeah. You know, I just, uh, I don't ever have it in me. And no one's been so awful that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to leave you a really bad tip now. So. Have you left a bad tip? I think everybody has that isn't famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that also flips it uh, on its head because Jerry Seinfeld was, was like that in uh, one of his uh, uh, coffee and cars show. Where he's like, well, because everybody knows I'm Jerry Seinfeld, I have to leave an exorbitant tip or else, you know, they would call me cheap. Does that right. really come into play? Fair. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Um, yeah, there's, there's an expectation there sometimes. Um, yeah. There's also, you know, there's also the reality of like, you know, when it comes down to it. Um, I, I remember years ago, my wife and I, um, were, were, we're in New York in Manhattan there for press for something that we were doing and just absolutely got hammered. Like <laughs> just her and I in this little dive bar and it was the best service we'd ever had in our lives. And the bartender was like, knew we wanted fruity strawberry daiquiri type drinks. It was just oh. making, coolest. we're like little kids, you know? And uh, the whole time we were wasted a hundred dollar tip. We're definitely going to leave a hundred dollar tip the whole time. <laughs> And then when it came time to tip and we pulled out the cash, you know, we were young and we're like, well, it's $40, $40 tip is still really good. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's, there's, but there's sometimes an expectation, you know, and, um, and then there's reality, you know, so it is what it is. Okay. Uh, you know, since you're both on Titans, uh, next month when the movie would come out would be roughly the same time we would have been at WonderCon, And, mm. uh, you know, before I let you guys go, I have to ask, what do you guys miss about the convention scene, especially with the superhero thing and Titans being as big as it is? Do you know what's wild? Is I've never done a convention. Oh. I've never done it. So season one, they tried to keep my role a super secret, so I didn't have to go. And then season two, we were filming because we were like juggling, like we were doing joint. Um, do you remember that? It was like we we're doing we were filming like two episodes at once or something. And now season three, there's a pandemic. So I have not, yeah. I can't say what I missed cause I have not gone. This is for Alan. <laughs> oh, we got to, we got to sneak in. We got to sneak you in the one. We'll dress you up. I'll go as, I would uh, go in. I'll go in in the Hawk costume. You go in as Hawk. Perfect. I'll go in okay, with like the, yeah. And you can, uh, it's a great, the yeah. suit. but really I'll just, I'll, I want to go and have no one know I'm there. Oh, well, guys, thank yeah. you so much for your time. Dark Web three zero or Cicada three three zero one is out March twelfth, and then on Blu-ray and DVD March sixteenth. Alan Ritson, Connor Leslie, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure, and we will see you guys at WonderCon at least twenty twenty two. Okay, yeah. thanks so much. <laughs>